Hello? <laughs> Shut your pie hole. Well, hello, hello, hello. What's up, freaks? It's a, another episode of Big Dimmy Energy. Listen, what I need y'all to really do before or after whatever, as you're listening to this even, I need feedback. I need DMs. I need comments. I need reviews and ratings so I can know what to give you guys that you want to hear more of. I don't know how I can make this better because I am don't know what I'm doing. So I want to make it better for everyone. I want to hear what you guys want me to talk about so I can accommodate this more to the listeners and less of me just talking about what I want to talk about. Uh, So that would be really awesome if you guys could rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast One, or wherever you listen to your podcast at. Let's see. My week has been significantly uneventful some projects in the work I suppose but I will say that today I gave my three cats (laughs) yes I have three cats I hired like a mobile groomer and so she like had this van and she like parked outside of my apartment and I brought her out my cats one by one so I gave her one brought him back in and like after 45 minutes brought out another one brought her back in and then with the third, the same thing. But what I found very intriguing was that. When, so the first cat I brought out was my boy cat. He got bathed, came back in. My two girl cats were fine with him. Didn't even care. Didn't even notice the difference. Like, oh my gosh, he smells so good too. And then whenever I brought my girl cat out there and brought her back in, my boy cat, who was bathed first, he lost his ever loving mind. He started being super aggressive. I mean, I had to like slide tackle him to prevent him from trying to lacerate the throat of my other cat. And so I was like, what the hell's going on? Well, if you look it up, it's called non-recognition aggression, something like that. And basically what it is, is that uh, if a cat, it's only certain cats, but if they can't smell the smell of the cat that they're used to being around, which by the way, this is his sister who he, came out of the womb with which is insane but if they don't smell a familiar smell on them because obviously she just got bathed then they think that the cat's a stranger and they get territorial and they don't know what's going on so he's been trying to eat his sister alive all day long and i have been trying to intervene so the best options for this if you do uh it's not even necessarily just if you get your cat bathed or if you just take it to the vet or something and the, one of the cats has a significant amount of time away from the other cat. And if they start acting aggressive and like hissing and growling and it's weird behaviors, you definitely never, ever, ever let them fight it out. That will that has the potential to ruin the relationship between the cats. So I have been marching up and down, back and forth between them like, hey, no, stop it. No, no, no. Also, loud claps uh, distract the aggressor from being aggressive because he's distracted (laughs) obviously um play with them i've been sprinkling catnip i uh will put uh, another thing that you can do is you can put food okay so you have like a bathroom or a bedroom have one cat in the bedroom one cat outside of the bedroom crack the door put a bowl of food like some really yummy food on one side of the door and then put 
the food for the other one on the other side of the door. So that way they interact with each other through just a little crack door, stand there and definitely uh, chaperone the whole interaction. But they will get used to each other's sense again. Uh, but yeah, I just had no idea that that was a thing. It's pretty wild to me. But yeah, uh, it's getting better. He's definitely getting a lot less aggressive. He tried to box me today and I looked at him and I said, bitch, I dare you. I was like, please, please come at me. Like, you do not stand a chance. But I was really actually scared the whole time. I thought he was going to whoop my ass. And I sat there and talked shit to him. And I mean, he backed down. He did. But I think it's just because he wanted me to pet him. He ain't scared of me. Is this how it's going to be whenever I have kids? They're never going to be scared of me. Like, they're just going to do whatever they want. And I'm just going to be there, you know, red in the face. Like, hey, everybody stop. Get along. And they're just like, yeah, whatever, bitch. Cool. Like, bring me a cheese stick. I'm in the mood for some string cheese and uh, sliced strawberries. Oh, God damn it. I hope not. I don't know. I wouldn't be too mad. All right. Well, Either way, I'm very excited to have my guest on today. So for today's guest, we have inventor, entrepreneur, super successful founder and CEO of Brewmate, Dylan Jacob. Hi, Dylan. Hey, Demi. Thanks for having me on. Of course. This is going to be a super interesting conversation for me, and I'm really excited to have you on. And so like, I know you because I know that you are the founder and CEO of Brewmate, and I want to get to that in a minute. But first... I need to know what you were doing before Brewmate. So Brewmate's actually my third company. Um, I started my first company in high school. Um, so the sophomore year of high school, I had a parts distribution company. I would basically import cell phone parts and sell them to repair shops around the U.S. So like you went into a repair shop to go uh, like get your screen fixed. In 2013, there was a pretty good chance that that screen came from my company. Um, I worked with over 100 repair shops. What? I did that a lot. I definitely got my screen fixed a lot in 2013. So thank you for supplying the materials. You're welcome. Uh, so, you know, it, that company was sort of just a side hustle. Um, I like, you know, I was young. I grew up in Indiana, like Southern Indiana in a really small town. And like um, the thought of becoming an entrepreneur, you know, a good equivalent to be like if uh, if I was really good in my high school acting classes and then like thinking that I could go to Hollywood and become a movie star. Right. Like trying to make that jump was like that was what I sort of equated, uh, you know, like being a successful entre- entrepreneur with. And um, so I really didn't even consider myself an entrepreneur at the time. It was just a way for me to make money. And I made really good money doing it. But I still wanted to go to college because I wanted to have like a solid education and um, I'm a big like engineering nerd. So I wanted, I had a full ride to Purdue, uh, to their school of engineering. And, um, I was actually running this company out of my dorm room, taking like 18 credit hours and I was ripping my hair out and I was actually making more my freshman year of college than I would have as like a senior engineer. And I was like, okay, like I need to reevaluate like what I'm doing with my life here. So I took a semester off and then actually sold that company for a hundred thousand dollars. Um, so this time I was 19, um, and I was like, okay, like got, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in the bank plus, you know, some additional cash from operations before. And, uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do next, but at that time I, I was sure that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and like that product development and innovation aspect was something that I really 
wanted to pursue. And so uh, I didn't have an idea for what the next thing was going to be. So I actually bought this old like 1950s farmhouse and uh, watched YouTube videos and spent a year remodeling it like on HGTV, uh, except it was a nightmare and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Um, <laughs> and then when I turned 21 was actually when I had the idea for Brewmate. So I started getting really into craft beer and uh, no one made any beer koozies that actually worked and would keep my beer cold. And uh, I wanted to, it started as a side project. I was like, hey, like I can create something to keep beer cold. And um, that is how I got to where I am today with a lot of other stuff in between. That is so fascinating. I have uh, one of my friends in particular, she always is constantly that's what kind of made me excited about this conversation because she's been talking to me a lot she you know we'll talk about anything and everything from like uh like we'll be talking about hair products or something and she's like do i make a hair mask like should i should i sell hair mask or like you know we'll talk about like dog toys she's like should i make a dog toy company so she like got me very excited about this and i was like oh my gosh this is perfect you can like help me out with some questions to ask him because she's like is so passionate to be an entrepreneur but on another note i find it so you dropped out of college right I dropped out of college but I dropped out of college to be on a reality tv show (laughs) you dropped out of college because you were actually making money hey I you know I think that if you're pursuing something that you believe will make you happier than school will then you should pursue it um regardless of what it is I just knew that I I was unsure about why I was actually in school I was doing something that I was actually happy with uh school work was not making me happy And so, you know, I was like, why not? Like, I can take a semester off and really just focus on something that I'm actually passionate about. And if it doesn't work out, I can go back to school. Um, And if it does work out, then great. And I did. So I, you know, in your case, it looks like it worked out, too. So I I got lucky. (laughs) You were you worked for you had great ideas. So now, like talking about Brewmate. So you just got the idea because you wanted to make something that would keep your beer cold. Yeah. Yeah. So I started getting into craft beer and all the the beer cans that I drank out of were in these 16 ounce cans. So it's like the taller version of a 12 ounce can. And uh, like that last quarter of the beer would always be super warm. And so, uh, you know, I grew up in Indiana, so we'd go to Indy 500 and Snake Pit and Carb Day. And like, I would always bring our little cooler with us. And, you know, I'm using this little foam koozie and that last quarter of the beer I was always throwing away. Like, I mean, and it literally originated at carb day. Like I, I remember jotting down a note in my phone. I was like, I need to create something for 16 ounce cans. Cause that's what I drink. And I know almost every major light beer brand had a 16 ounce version. Plus all the craft beer companies have 16 ounce cans and craft beer was like the fastest growing sector within the beer industry. So I was like, surely there's like, you know, at least a few thousand people around the U S that would buy this. Like I have no idea how big this will be, but you know, it's worth pursuing in my opinion. Um, and so that was what it started with. And then, you know, as time went on, I started to realize that like within this insulated drinkware sector, so like stainless steel insulated products, everyone was really focused on this hydration category. So like, you know, Hydroflask had their water bottles and Yeti had their coffee mugs and everyone had these products, but no one was really paying attention to alcohol. Like no one made anything for slim cans. No one made anything for 16 ounce cans. No one made anything for like 24 and 25 ounce concert beers. No one made an insulated wine tumbler, like champagne flute, like all these other products that I knew, like they need to be served cold, but no one was making anything to actually keep them cold. And so that was where the idea from Brewmate actually stemmed from. So it started with the hops later. And then as I sort of got into the product development process and really learned the market, I saw a bigger opportunity to really create a company around like creating a better drinking experience specifically for alcohol and innovating and creating products that had never been created before. 
That's so interesting. I definitely, I mean, I love all my roommate products. That's why, like, I've done some advertisement for y'all and I love doing it because I'm like, this shit is actually dope. Like, this is actually very convenient. And I feel like with uh, entrepreneur entrepreneurship entrepreneurism i'm actually not sure what the word is but with that like the whole uh i feel like the bigger picture is to make things more convenient for people and that's what is successful with it so um what uh, how long did it take you to go from having this idea to the launch of the product so i had a bit of a head start just because again like i had ran other companies in the past so i knew what like sourcing a product looked like i knew what the like innovation and product development process looked like i knew how to create a company i knew you know how to create a website and like a little bit about digital marketing and so i had like a toolkit i guess you know that these other two companies that i had sort of developed over time and um i actually had the idea for roommate um like early 2016 and we launched our first product november 2016. So less wow. than six months from wow. ideal like in people's hands. Uh, uh, so, okay, well, let me ask this first. How many ideas have you had before? Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, well, obviously your cell phone repair thing, like the products you were selling for that was very successful. But how many other ideas did you have between that and Brewmate that actually came to fruition? Or like, how many failures did you have? Like, what is that like? Because that's what, you know, a lot of people go through having good ideas, having ideas they think are good that flop. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I think if you look at any successful entrepreneur, there's I think the common thread that you see is like they all have the ability and this is something I think I'm fairly good at is like identifying what's actually a failure and like what is actually just a trigger that's telling you like you need to change something because a lot of people like something doesn't work and they're like well that was a failure but like when I see that I'm like oh we just didn't do it right we need to figure out how to make it work right so if we're like talking total failures um, I had one and and I wouldn't say it was like a failure per se. What was it? It was it was called it was called Snello. Um, and so you know I, I sold parts to fix cell phones, and so I knew like every iPad, iPod, cell phone that was out there, inside and out. I knew every problem that they had, where it originated from, and so I actually created an app where like you could log in. So let's say you had like a phone that wasn't working, you could download the app on your iPad. And then um, it would help you diagnose the problem. So like, let's say you said, you know, you couldn't hear out of the earpiece or like people couldn't hear you or whatever. It would walk you through and ask you a series of questions. And then it would tell you what the problem was. Um, and then, and like, if you wanted to do it yourself, we would sell you the part so you could order the part and do it yourself. And we had like a YouTube tutorial uh, so you could like do it yourself. And it was a really cool concept, but I just didn't know anything about technology. Uh, I know a lot about the product side. And, you know, I got into this and like had this app developed and created and then, um, you know, went out to California for this like big tech event called Startup Grind in like San Francisco 2014. Um, and I remember like leaving that weekend and I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this. Like I talked to all these people in these tech startups and like the grueling process of, you know, actually creating a profitable tech startup one and like getting it off the ground. And then, you know, with, with an app like that, it's really a marketplace. So like not only do you have to get the stores on board to like, pay to be on this app or be a part of it, but then you have to have customers. And so you're like trying to tie them together, but it's like, you know, the store doesn't want to be on there if there's no customers and the customer doesn't want to be on there if there's no stores. 
And so you like, there's just this weird disconnect. And I was like, I'm not even going to mess with this. Um, so I, I wasted quite a bit of money and time on that. And then I actually just kind of let that go. Um, and so I consider it a failure because like it didn't work, but at the same time, like I wasn't discouraged by it. Cause I like, I identified early on that it just wasn't for me. Like I wasn't crazy about the concept. I thought it was a good idea, but I wasn't crazy about it. Um, I don't know enough about tech to be comfortable and, you know, pursuing something there. So I moved on, um, in terms of like other companies that have had so many odds and end things like I started a company at like end of 2014 called Naughty Coal Box. So, uh, for Christmas, like you could send people a lump of coal anywhere in the world with like a handwritten note of like why they got coal. And, um, that got picked up like Huffington Post and Daily Dot and it went viral. And, uh, you know, I made like, I don't know, 30 grand shipping boxes of coal out of my kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another company called Beachy Design, which I actually ran for a year and a half and then sold as well, uh, in between. But when I was remodeling my house, um, I actually created a, tile company. Um, so we had the largest glass tile, uh, selection in the U S so we really, and that was actually where like, if you look at roommate, we have so many different colors and patterns and stuff actually originated from beachy design. Cause like in the glass tile sector. So for like kitchen backsplashes, no one had a good color selection. So like for beachy design, we had like 30 different colors and like all kinds of different patterns and whatnot. And I just knew that like people liked variety and choice. And so when I started roommate, I wanted to take that same concept over. Um, and that's worked out really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I have failures all the time though. Like that's just part of running a business. I mean, things don't work out constantly. Um, and it's my job to figure out how to actually make them work. So, you know, I, I don't have like a, you know, a huge failure, like bankruptcy story or anything like that, but I do have, you know, a lot of little failures along the way that, you know, sort of told me the right direction I need to be heading in. Um, I think those were like the most important, honestly. Uh, in comparison to like, you know, Snello, for instance, so it's sort of like a bigger failure. I I really like that you said that uh, you like a lot of things you don't really consider failures. You just see them as ways to like improve or like take it into the right direction, like, you know, do something differently instead of just being like, oh, I'm bummed. I failed and now I give up. I like how uh, you continue to like pursue and like keep on trying and stuff like that. During quarantine and being in the post breakup state that I am in, I've been playing Taylor Swift's new album on repeat. I'm pretty sure a big majority of the world is also listening to her new album on repeat. And do you know the best way to listen? Using a pair of premium wireless earbuds, especially if you can get them at less than half the price of the other guys. That's why I recommend wireless earbuds from Raycon. When I first tried Raycon earbuds, I was very surprised at the level of sound quality. Raycon earbuds are such good quality that when I use them, I feel like the world is a party and I'm just dancing my little heart out in my own little world and I do not even care how silly I might look. Raycon's newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best ones yet with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, a more compact design, and a noise-isolating fit. I love how discreet Raycon earbuds are. There are no dangling wires or stems. Thank God! Raycon was founded by Ray J, and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Brandy, and Mike Tyson are obsessed with their products. Seriously, guys? Like, give them a try. Raycon has a 45-day free return policy, so you can make sure they are the right pair of wireless earbuds for you. I love that. Try them out and they give you the opportunity to return them 
What do you have to lose? For a limited time, get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Demi. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash Demi for a special 15% discount on Raycon wireless earbuds. Make sure to check it out now while the deal's running. Buyraycon.com slash Demi. I want to ask you a question, but before I ask you this question, I have to tell you about my invention that I had. So in eighth grade, I had we had like a project. We had to come up with an invention, and mine was the most ridiculous thing you'll ever hear of, and it's not creative. There were some people who had some really good ones. Mine was called the blow and throw, and it was just a box. It was like a Tupperware box that I cut a hole in the top of like both sides. Like there's a hole, two holes on top of a Tupperware box. There was a box of tissues on one side. And so you could pull the tissues out below your nose and throw it away in the other side. <laughs> that sounds like a hazmat disaster, like waiting to happen. I mean, nowadays, like since the pandemic, it sounds terrible. But back in the day, man, I thought it was genius. I was like the blow and throw. Yes. You don't even have to get a trash can. You just throw it away in the same bin. <laughs> it's like it's it's kind of smart. Uh, like. I actually like the concept. I just don't know that it's the most sanitary thing <laughs> way to dispose of used tissues. Sounds so gross now. Used tissues in the box with the clean tissues? What? Um, but so you're telling me about like a lot of your ideas and stuff that you tried. Uh, and with entrepreneurship, I feel like people have so many ideas because there are so many things you could do. So how do you know when to like follow through with an idea or just let it go? So, yeah, I mean, so I've kept a journal since like high school um, and I would jot down ideas like I have, trust me, hundreds and hundreds of crazy ideas, um, but like they were never failures because I never started them. So I have this vetting process for any idea that I have. And I actually do the same thing now, like with Brumet, like if I, I have a journal, same thing and like, you know, sketch pad. So like if I have a product idea, I actually vet it out. So I do the same thing with business that I do with product, but um, the gist of it is, is like, I have a concept, I look up to see first, like, how big is this market? So like, do other companies exist that do the same thing? Can I actually improve on this? So if I'm creating this, like, what is my angle? Like, why would people want to buy this? And, it, you know, let's just use clothing for an example, right? Like, if I want to start a clothing brand, how am I going to differentiate myself? Like, is my fabric softer? Do I have better patterns and designs? Is the branding better? And if I can't answer any of those questions, then it's not worth starting, right? Because there's no unique differentiator. So that killed probably 60% of my ideas. And then, you know, so like someone had already done it or like, you know, what was out there was already good enough where I didn't think I could make a better version or whatever it was. Um, and then, you know, the other 60% would come down to a series of other things like how much would it cost to actually invest and like create this thing and how big is the market? So these companies that exist, like, how long have they been around? How much in revenue are they doing? How many employees do they have? Like little indicators to see if this market's actually big enough to even pursue. Uh, you know, if it's like a super small market, let's say like, I don't know, dog collars, right? Like there's a lot of people that have dogs, but how many people are going to invest in, let's say a $75 customized dog collar? And if there's already four companies that do it and you're coming in and like you have something that you think uh, you know, you could do differently. Like, is it actually going to be worth pursuing if it's only going to be like a really small company? I don't know. I mean, it's up to the individual person. Like, if you're really passionate about it, then sure. Um, but like, if you're trying to create like a, you know, massive brand, then the answer is probably no. And so that killed probably the other 39% of my ideas. Um, 
And then the 1%. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just saying the 1%. So like roommate checked all the boxes, like no one had ever created something for 16 ounce cans. Um, so, you know, I was able to come in and create something completely unique. Uh, but aside from that, like this was actually the fastest growing category in houseware. So drinkware as a whole and insulated drinkware specifically was extremely, it was a very, very fast growing sector. And then there were other boxes that were checked like, um, Hydroplask and these other brands didn't do direct to consumer marketing. So none of them were running Facebook ads or Instagram ads or working with influencers or, you know, going on podcasts or like doing any of that type of marketing. And then on the flip side, they weren't advertising to my generation, like, the, the, you know, the older generation was really the core demographic for these older or for these other like, you know, older like brands that had sort of been around for a while. And so I just saw an opportunity to like come in and create, you know, a series of products that had never been created before, market them in a different way and then market them to my generation um, and, and make branding that resonates with my generation. Um, and you know, those three things together, sort of like, you know, I had a light that went off at the top of my head and I was like, this is it. Like, this is the idea. You know, it's something that I'm passionate about. Like I hate warm alcohol. I know other people do too. Like if you like warm alcohol, I don't trust you. <laughs> and, and so I was like, I, you know, it, for me, it checked all the boxes and that was why I pursued it. Um, but I had a lot of other ideas that didn't check all those boxes, you know? Um, and so they weren't really failures cause I never actually did anything with them, but like, that was my vetting process. And like, I think anyone starting a business should do the same thing. Like you have to create a business model, but just kind of run through like, who's my target audience? You know, would they actually buy this? How much can I sell it for? How much is it going to cost to make? Like just all those little questions at the end of the day, only you can really ask those questions. But, um, like those are good indicators to tell you whether or not it's actually worth pursuing or not. Uh, this is very interesting. You um, you already answered my question that I had for you previously because I was going to ask you um, about uh, how you knew how to pick, like how you knew to go with Brewmate and like how you knew that people needed this. But you said that it had never been done before, and you like they had they didn't have a uh, sixteen ounce uh, insulators for that size and stuff like that. But like all this information that you get, so you have all these ideas, you write all these ideas down and then you go through and I'm assuming you research them. Where are you like getting your research from? Like, how do you know that no one's ever done these ideas? Like, are you just Googling it? Yeah. Google. Um, so funny story. I was expelled from school in eighth grade. No. And I basically had like a full school year of like doing nothing. And my brother worked for this company called Cha Cha. I don't know if you remember this or not, but you could text 242 Ask Cha Cha. That's how I learned about periods. I asked Cha Cha what a period was. <laughs> yeah. I worked. So I used my brother's account and I actually would answer questions all day long. So I uh, took all their classes on how to be a professional Googler. And basically, because the, the whole premise was like someone would send a text in. So for anyone that doesn't know what this is, you would text 242-242 and you'd ask any question and they had 60 seconds to text you back, right? And it was free. They didn't charge for it. Nothing. It was based on ads. Um, but they they would text you back within 60 seconds. On the back end, I, little eighth grade Dylan, was on a computer uh, Googling your question and finding cited and sourced answers and then texting you back through their platform. And that was actually like one of the most valuable tools I ever learned because I can find like the answer to almost anything in like under a minute. Um, and so same thing, like if I was researching uh, companies, like I would know how to find like companies in this category. And I would look at like business rankings and um, whatever else and import records for customs. Like it didn't matter. Like there's different ways that I could check things like that. But um, 
<laughs> yeah, Google, literally Google for everything. <laughs> I can't believe you were one of the cha-cha answers in eighth grade, you little genius. Wow. I remember using that all the time. I would, we would, all my friends, we'd sit around and we'd be like, let's ask cha-cha. And we would just sit there and like play with it. Wow. That's incredible. Um, Wow, that's actually really good to learn. I made, I made a decent amount of money too. Like I, it was only like twenty five cents a question or something like that. But I would literally sit there and answer questions for like four or five hours. You you were trying to buy a bag of hot Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I am a big big fan of googling. Like if I encounter anything I don't know about, uh, it could be any subject. It could be like some something as random as like a a new animal I've heard of or like uh, an event in history I don't know anything about. And I have to know. I love Googling. Like I have to know everything about it. So I like that you know how to Google too. That's pretty sweet. There's a fun little trick that I've taught a lot of people and they love it. But like I don't use Reddit at all. I'm a huge Reddit user. Yes, I am. So literally, and I, you may already do this, but if you have a question, you just type in Reddit after the question and then hit enter and it'll pull up all the Reddit threads. So you can see like other people who've had the same question, but then real life answers from people that you know are giving like an unbiased opinion. And a lot of times there's actually like cited art, like people give a cited source or whatever in there. Um, but I like, that's my go-to. Like if I need to find an answer quick, I'm like, how do I do X, Y, Z, Reddit? Me too. Yeah. Every time I swear. And I love whenever they provide the link, but also it's like nice to go off of the upvotes. So if it has a lot of upvotes, I'm like, okay, this is like probably a more credible opinion than the ones that aren't doing so well. But yeah, no, that's how I find out all my information. I always look at Reddit. I My favorite subreddit is r slash rare lobsters. <laughs> what is rare lobsters? It talks about all the rare lobsters in the world. There's blue ones. There's yellow ones. There's split ones. I mean, it is my favorite sub, but they, there's not a lot of posts in there because they are rare. What is your favorite subreddit? Honestly, I look at the homepage for the majority of the time. I used to be really active in the entrepreneur subreddit um, for like a few years. And then after that, I don't know, like the DIY and like garage porn. I'm really into like very organized garages. So it's like um, people and, I, and I'm a car collector. So like I have a bunch of cars and like, it's like, you know, people's garage setups with like car lifts and like organized cabinetry and stuff. I know it's super weird. <laughs> no, I, it sounds satisfying. Sounds very satisfying. Or that oddly satisfying is actually another one of my favorite ones. God, I love that one so much. There's so many things on there. I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's really interesting. Yeah, people should definitely check out Reddit more because I know a lot of people are a little intimidated by it because they don't know how to work it. But it's not that complicated once you get into it. And uh, it's where I get the majority of my news and like fun facts and stuff from is Reddit. It's really great. I believe in having clean options. I support companies who innovate products that break the norm and help clean up my daily routine. And I could use all the help I can get. Trust. That's why I love Native. My native deodorant doesn't just block stanky odor better, it's made better. Native has ingredients like coconut oil and shea butter. We love a buttery smooth armpit. Oh, and it's vegan and never tested on animals. We stand that. I've tried aluminum-free deodorant before and it never really does it for me. But native, I swear it's so different. It keeps my armpit smelling fresh all day long. I, and I seriously mean that. Native has over 10 scents, including rotating seasonals, so Native has something for everyone. 
Their most popular classic scents are coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and citrus and herbal. My personal favorite is coconut and vanilla. It smells sweet and delicious. I know, like I've used men's deodorant before because there's like this myth or maybe whatever. It's like, in my opinion, a myth that men's deodorant works better on your armpits. But I like native so much because I can have something that smells like sweet and yummy and girly like the coconut and vanilla and it works just as good. I finally found a deodorant that keeps my armpits smelling good while still smelling a little bit girly for me. Native is risk-free to try. Every product comes with free shipping within the U.S., plus free 30-day returns and exchanges. See why so many people love Native and check out the over 14,000 five-star reviews. Native has a newsletter that I love to keep up with so I can see what is new with the brand that has seriously changed my armpits in the best way. Do what I did and make the switch to Native today by going to nativedo.com slash BDE or use promo code BDE at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedo.com slash BDE or use promo code BDE at checkout for 20% off your first order. N-A-T-I-V-E deo.com slash bde i promise you your armpits will thank you later so back to you and your roommate success so whenever you started this company did you like were you like one of those like Shark Tank people who like invested everything that they had into it or like how did it come about? Okay. So, you know, I told you I had bought a house and I spent a year remodeling it. So I had dumped all my money into that house and I had started another company at the time as well. And so I had pulled a bank line of credit on that house to pull money out of the house and use that to run my other business. And I had used part of that line of credit to start roommate. And then once roommate really took off, I actually sold the house. Um, and then I actually sold my other company. And then I moved into a little like 700 square foot apartment with my buddy from high school and sold like everything I had and dumped literally all my money into roommate. And then we scaled the company. So our first year in business, we did $270,000 in sales. Who is, who is we, who is we? I want to know, like, how did you start this off? I always refer, I'm so used to referring to the company as we. So whenever I say we, it's, it's just referring to the company as a whole, but we as me. So I was a single founder. I didn't have a co-founder. I'm sorry. I just something that I've always done. So no, it's okay. But yeah, so I started the company by myself. Uh, we launched it November 26, 2016. Um, we did about $300,000 in sales from November to December for that Christmas season. And that's when I was like, okay, this is, you know, at that point we had done more in revenue than I had ever done in any other company. And that was in like five weeks, not a year. And I was like, like, okay, I'm on to something. Um, so that following year I sold everything, uh, invested completely into roommate. And then we did $2 million in sales that next year. And then, um, yeah, I mean, over time, I just kept reinvesting everything into the company. I didn't pull a salary for literally until January of this year. So I paid myself completely in credit card points, which is actually something else that I'm super nerdy about. But what, what is that? I have no idea what that is. What so I have like seven different credit cards through the company that pay around 2% cash back. So all of our advertising spend, anything that can go on a credit card, I pay from the company. Um, 
and then we get 2% cash back. But instead of it going to the company, they cut me a check as the founder. And then that was my salary. So I literally just lived and it was untaxable. It's considered rebate. It's considered a rebate. So it's an untaxable income. So for three years I lived off of, you know, I didn't even file a tax return because I didn't have income. I didn't have a salary. I only paid myself in credit card points from the company, from where it stood. Like I wasn't pulling any money from the company. And, um, yeah. So it's like the people that use credit card points for travel, except I gained it to where they were actually paying me cash. That's so interesting. I've never heard of that before. I feel like, you know, I, I feel like I kind of live under a rock whenever it comes to uh, business stuff. And surprisingly, I'm like a couple credits away in college from having a business degree. And I'm like, I didn't learn shit. Um, but no, that's really interesting. So you said that you you founded this all by yourself. When did you hire your first employee and, or was it like you hired one employee or you were like, holy shit, I need a team. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. So, um, because of how fast we were growing, I still didn't even have enough money to supply, like to get the inventory that I needed. So we would do pre-orders. So actually like I didn't really hire employees for almost a year because, um, the way that we would work is like we would launch a product to customers and they would be able to place a pre-order and then it would shit 90 days later. And so people knew that they were getting like the first, you know, a lot of people like these were products that didn't exist. So people were willing to wait. So we created sort of like this, almost like a Kickstarter campaign. Like we would create a landing page, you know, we would show people like pictures of the product and instead give them a discount for ordering early. And then it would ship out 90 days later. And so I'd collect all these orders. I would get the product manufactured. I would ship it in by plane instead of by sea. So it'd get in quicker. And then I would have, you know, 10, 15 of my friends come in and help me ship out 10,000 orders over like two days. And we just grab a couple cases of beer and some food and ship out orders all day. And then, you know, it'd be three more months before the next round of orders would go out. So um, that was really how the first year went for all of 2017. Um, Beginning of 2018, you know, we were starting to get to the point where we could afford to, or I could afford, I'll say I. I can afford to like actually keep inventory on hand. Um, and so I had gotten a 20,000 square foot warehouse in Indiana and I started to hire warehousing staff to be able to ship out orders daily. Um, cause we were no longer doing pre-orders and customer service and stuff like that. So we went very quickly from like zero employees, um, up to like 11 or 12 employees in 2018. And then I learned really quickly. So this is actually a failure. Um, that I suck at fulfillment. Like I know nothing about it and I'm not good at getting packages out the door on time. And I would never let anyone trust me with doing that. So after a few months of like, you know, orders piling up and not going out on time and customers complaining and, you know, everything else, um, I actually outsourced fulfillment to a company called Shipmunk. So they're a third party logistics company. They warehouse all of our inventory. When an order ships, it ships from them, you know, if we do a pre-order sale and we do 50,000 orders, I don't have to worry about hiring 300 people overnight to get rid of those, like, or to, to get those out the door. Like they handle all of that. And so it allowed me to really focus on like what I was good at, which is marketing and product development. And we got rid of our warehouse and then I moved to Colorado. Um, so I moved the company here as well. So I live in Denver and uh, our team is 21 people now, um, mainly marketing, customer service and finance. And then, um, our secondary facility for warehousing, we probably have like 40 or 50 people in there doing fulfillment, but they're employed through Chipmunk, not us. So technically they're not like our employees. I was going to ask you how big the team was. So you said like 20, 21 people. About. Yeah. 
Oh, very interesting. We're very scrappy. Yeah, I love it. I love hearing about this. This is so fascinating to me because, you know, I I mean, I don't know anything about this. I've never got to have like a conversation like this with somebody who is around my age and has a crazy successful business. Like this is really cool. Um, So let me ask you this. Uh, I don't know. So is there now since you because you started this in what was it? 2016? Yeah. So 2016, you started this. Is there now competitors that you have that sell similar products? I know that like Yeti like has some things like it, but I don't know if they have like the same size as you do because I know you have the Hopsolator Slim now, which was a game changer because of the White Claws and all the Spike Seltzers. Uh, so like, what's your competition like? Yeah. So, you know, when I started this company, I knew from the get-go that just creating a unique product wasn't enough because uh, people can copy products pretty easily, right? So, they can release their own version and then it's like, what's your differentiator? So for us, it wasn't just, you know, obviously like our core pillar as a brand is creating unique and innovative products. But outside of that, like we wanted to create a brand that like a different category of customers that had never bought insulated drinkware before was interested in. And that was Brumain. So we created, you know, a, a following of millions of people around the world that like, they're not Yeti fans and they're not Hydroflask fans. They're Brewmate customers because they had never owned another product and those brands don't resonate with them. And so, you know, like our hops later slim. So like the way that I launch products is I look at like alcohol sales trends and things like that and figure out like what people are buying and what's going to be trending for the next year and whatnot. And I actually launched the hops later slim in 2017 for Mick ultra. Like it wasn't even for seltzers. Um, and then, like, very quickly after that product launched, Seltzers started becoming a thing, and um, then that product just blew up. But Yeti didn't launch their Slim Can Holder until four months ago. So we were three and a half years ahead of them. Oh, man, that's awesome. And, like, if you know, and, and then, you know, we offer a product that, like, we really focus on the design aspect. Like, I don't want to bore you with details, but, like, on the Hop Slater Slim, for instance, like, on the bottom, there's a non-slip base. So when you set it on a table, it doesn't clink. Like, it doesn't make, like, a metal sound. Mm-hmm. And, like, fly all over the place. And, like, our gasket, you don't have to unscrew. You just push the can, and we have, like, patented push lock technology. It's got, like, hand grips on the side, so it's more comfortable. Um, we use a lighter stainless steel that actually insulates just as well, if not better, but is easier to hold and lighter, so it's more comfortable to hold for, like, longer periods of time. It's like, we pay attention to this. Like, oh, like, some kids are selling. Let's just create a product for it. And if you go on Amazon and look, like our Hop Slater Slim has 21,000 five-star reviews and it's in the top 10 best-selling products in all of Amazon. Whereas like the competition, their product has like a thousand reviews and it's in like the top thousand. Like we outrank them like crazy because we actually pay attention to design. And on top of that, like we're, we're advertising to our customers in a different way and like giving them a brand that they can get behind and resonate with and I think all those combined are what really makes us powerful. So, you know, I pay attention to what other people are doing. You know, when other people, I take it personal, like when other brands launch a product that is like a copy or like a competing product, I always take it personal because I'm like, I did that first. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is like, you'll never be the first person. You can always be the first person, but you'll never be the only person. And so that's why we really focus on everything else. Like what makes us special as a brand and like creating community, like community is really big for us. We have like a VIP Facebook group with 25,000 people from like all over the world. Um, and we do a ton of stuff in there with them. So like I'm in there literally every day talking with customers firsthand, um, getting, you know, feedback on products. And like we really focus on customer service, like our customer service team is huge. And like we have a big, big focus on customers and, you know, all these things combined that like 
make people feel at home with our brand. And at the end of the day, like Brewmate is bigger than just like an insulated beer koozie. Like it is a community. Like you can, if you see a person, I guarantee this, if you see a person using a Brewmate, walk up to them and talk to them. And I bet they're like the coolest person ever. Cause mm-hmm. our community, like our VIP group, I mean, people tell stories all the time. They're like, I made the best friends ever. Cause I literally saw they were using Brewmates. So I knew we had something in common and I walked up to them and now we're like best friends. And so that's what we want to create. We want to, we want to create something with like people that are like-minded follow this brand and are part of this community. And like, we can bring people together outside of just like keeping your alcohol cold, which is awesome. But like, that is what's really powerful, not just the product itself. And so, you know, you can copy a product, you can't copy community and you can't copy the feeling that the product gives you. And I think that that's what we do like really, really well. I totally agree with you on that. Um, I personally have probably six Brewmate Hoplator uh, Slims, and I think I have maybe a Tumblr, and I'm, I think I might have, I don't know, I have a bunch of Brewmate stuff. But uh, it's funny because my agent, you know, he's the one who like linked me with you to do this podcast, and yeah. the, he will like send me pictures on like the weekends and stuff, and he's like, this is what I'm doing, and he always sends me a picture, and he's using a Brewmate in it every time. He has a Brewmate in it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, me too! Like, I love them, and I love sharing them with like my friends like because i have so i have like six of them so i'm like here everybody get a roommate like all this stuff and it really is like it's like a community and they're so cute and they're so fun and they're so like efficient they work so well and like you said nobody wants hot alcohol so yeah. i mean you did a damn good job with this whole company and i'm i mean i'm proud of you i just want to give you a hug <laughs> <laughs> Virtual. <laughs> Thank Virtual. you, though. Yeah, of course. Um, so on another note, too. So you, you're you this amazing entrepreneur who has made this company and you are making so much money now from it. It's very successful. Did you ever see yourself? So I think this is in 2018. Uh, you were 23, right? And you were on Forbes 30 under 30. I'm obsessed with Forbes 30 under 30 right now. It's like something that I've just been looking at a lot lately. And um, I wish I could get there. I mean, I'm 25. I have five years to get there. But did you ever think that you were going to be there at 23 years old? No. Um, so the Forbes 30 under 30 story is actually pretty interesting. So I randomly just applied for it. I was like, hey, like, I think I've done some pretty cool stuff. And, you know, why not? Um, and I remember, like, it was November 1st, 2017, when the list, like, was published to us, like, to know if we made it or not. And uh, I like woke up and like scrolled through and I, it was like, I think number seven in like retail e-commerce. I was like, Oh, hold I had to swipe backwards. Cause I was like, wait, I just swiped past my own face. <laughs> and uh, so I had no idea, you know, I applied six months before I had no idea. I was just waiting and I didn't know whether I was going to get on there or not. Um, but that's actually an interesting story. Like, you know, I said that we use Shipmunk. So Jan is actually the founder of Shipmunk and he's one of my best friends now, but he, and I met in Tel Aviv, we were in Israel for the Forbes 30 under 30 global summit in May, 2018. And we had a big house. So my buddies, Taylor and Parker who run feet socks or feet clothing, which they have a bunch of uh, clothing that like Tia and other uh, bachelor people I've seen use before. I'm sure you've probably seen them. Um, and then a couple of my other friends. So Stephen Brelli from cuts clothing and a few other people. We were all in this big Airbnb together and had never met before. We actually like, we're sort of just talking through Instagram and like created this little house and we had like 12 or 13 people staying there. And uh, all these guys are like now my best friends. Um, so, you know, from where Forbes, like being a part of that was really cool. But, you know, from a 
guy who grew up in the middle of nowhere in Indiana that started a company um, specifically in like consumer goods, there was no one I could relate to. Like I didn't have any friends that were doing anything similar. I didn't have anyone to talk to this stuff about. And Forbes was the first place, like it really connected me with other people that were my age that were doing really cool, powerful things. And I was able to form like lifelong connections from that uh, with people that, you know, are my go-to and vice versa for advice and like people to vent to to actually understand what I'm going through and vice versa. Um, and like, you know, we just closed like a big investment round. So like we've been like celebrating kind of together about that. And just, it's, it, was, it was really cool. Like the Forbes there in the 30 is amazing, especially for connecting with other people that are like in a similar position to you and, um, you know, forming connections with people that can have like a pretty big impact. So yeah, that was, it was incredible. Um, and it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. Yeah, that's so interesting to hear. Like, it's kind of like a little community. And like you said, like a lot of people, I mean, there's not a lot of super successful entrepreneur, 23-year-olds out there. And like, this is your life. And so getting to be around, I mean, Forbes 30 under 30, they're all under 30. So it's like, everyone's kind of going through the same life path as you and like super successful. A lot of people don't get it. I love that you guys kind of have that community. It's kind of like us on The Bachelor, except for you guys are doing really important, successful things, and we're just trying to all date the same dude. <laughs> but it, it, it's like a community thing. It's like we get it because we're going through it together. Um, but I love I love hearing that. That's so fun. It makes me want to get on it even more, but I have no idea what I would do. Um, they so- have, so before we into 30, it's I think 20 different categories or 30. Um, but there's a ton of different categories. I was, lo- I've been looking through them and I was like looking through them and I was like, I don't know where I would go into any of these. I have to come up with some crazy, amazing invention and what category would it go under? Like, you don't have to do that. Like there's, there's a media category. So even for your podcast, like you could technically nominate yourself or have someone nominate you for the pod, like for podcasts under media, um, and talk about, you know, what you're able to create with your following and, you know, how many listens you get and things like that. Like there's a ton of different angles you can use to get on there. So man, I gotta, I gotta step it up. That's what I have to do. I got to figure it out. Um, so I want to ask you a very cliche question, but, uh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. So what would you say? Remember cliche, I'm sorry, is in your personal opinion, like the key to success or being successful and all of that, you know, Okay, so I just, I'm going to just start this off by saying that I hate all the books and like every, you know, the courses people put out, like the 10 steps to success. And this is what successful people do. They wake up at 5 a.m. I do not wake up at 5 a.m. I go to bed at like 2 a.m. and I get up whenever I wake up. Like most of the time I wake up on my own before eight o'clock, but sometimes I sleep until nine, like doesn't matter. Um, You know, there's, there is no like, formula like every person is different and every person is going to get there a different way but i can tell you out of all the people that i've met um that have done really cool things and like created big companies and had success it's just persistence like you always hear you know you're always um like one yes away from a success story and so you know for me it was like i had had these like mediocre businesses that were doing okay numbers and like you know, afforded me a decent lifestyle. I, you know, I didn't have to work for anyone and I was able to travel a lot, like do all these cool things. But at the same time, I wasn't rich. Right. And the goal for me was never really to be rich. It was like to be happy and create something cool that was like long lasting and had an impact. And uh, it took me, you know, I started my first company in 2010. 
So it took me six years to find roommate. And it was the persistence of like constantly searching for the right thing. And then once I found the right thing, even, you know, there were so many changes that happened from the time I created like our first product to where we are now. And it was just the persistence, like keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I know this for any category, like I know musicians who same thing had put out music for 10 years until one music video went viral on Reddit. And then it had 10 million views. And next thing they're, you know, they're like getting a record deal. And like, all it takes is that one time for something to click and the universe aligns in your favor. And like, it's not luck. Um, You know, they say like fortune favors the bold. And so like, luck can't work if you're not in the position to accept it, right? So I think that with entrepreneurship, like it is a lot of luck, but like, it doesn't just happen to anyone. It only happens to the people that are like out there actually chasing their dreams and you, you will eventually get lucky and like eventually things will align and it's the right product in the right time and like the right idea and all those things will align in your favor. And it might be two years. I, I know entrepreneurs who it literally happened. Their first business was successful. And I know others who it took literally 15 years until they had any sort of like real success. So like every person's story is different. But the one key thing between all of them is that they never gave up. And if, you know, something didn't work out, then they either figure out how to make it work or they were just like, oh, this idea actually sucks. And they could accept that and move on to the next thing. Um, But like pride and ego gets in the way. You know, a lot of people, they're like, no, this idea is great. I just don't know why other people don't get it. And it's like, listen, you're not selling this product to yourself. You're selling it to other people. And if other people don't want it, then it's a bad idea because, you know, you may think it's the best idea, but you're not selling to yourself. <laughs> you're not going to make any money selling products to yourself. Exactly. You can't be stubborn about it. You have to be open-minded to the criticisms and kind of have like a little bit of like a thick skin. Yeah. Thick skin for sure. So persistence, thick skin, like being able to take criticism, but not actually viewing it as criticism, but instead like viewing it as um, feedback. Yeah, exactly. Like feedback. Um, you know, and, and I do that all the time. Like that VIP group I was telling you about, like I literally tell people like DM me if you have a problem, if you don't like something, if one of our customer service, um, uh, team members like didn't take care of you, like whatever it is. And I don't take any of that as criticism. I see it as like a way that we can improve. And so, you know, since day one, I've always looked at the company that way of like, how can we constantly improve and be better? And the only way to know that is if people tell you that you suck occasionally. Like, that's the only way you're going to know. I'm a big fan of uh, constructive criticism, but I do actually, like, usually refer it to as, like, feedback. Like, tell me what I could be doing better because I want to improve. And uh, I think that is a very good quality, and I can tell that you have that. And so I like that you are promoting having that quality because a lot of people just get so stubborn, and they think that they've got some idea or something that's great. But like you said, you're not selling it to yourself. You're selling it to other people. you got to listen to what the people want and like what they expect and you know go off of that, not off of what you think personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with roommate, we literally, our company was built by our customers. Like since day one, like the colors that we have, um, certain design elements from the products, even new products. I could tell, like I have like marble roommate things. I'm like, damn, they know what's up with the trends. They know. Yeah. But a lot of that is actually customers. It's customers, you know, like we just launched our Onyx leopard. So it was like the black on black leopard print. And we had so many people in the VIP group that were like, Dylan, like you have to do a leopard print. You have to do a leopard print. And again, like, I don't like doing anything if we can't make a difference. So we were, I was like, well, how can we make like a super sleek, like cool leopard print? And our graphic designer like came to us with the idea of doing this like matte black base with the gloss black print over the top. 
I was like, yeah, that's it. And like we launched it, but it was because we had thousands of people asking us to do it. So like, it's all about like taking that feedback and creating a company that's like based off of what customers want. Like, it's not about what I want. I, I'm not going to tell people what they want. Like I want to give people what they want. And um, I think that's really important. Like it's a very important quality to have. Ah, yes. I love that. I love how like open-minded you are to hearing about all that. want to talk about influencers um so like social media influencing is fairly new to our world you know within the past few years do you find that it helps with the success of your business using influencers because i know i've influenced for y'all before uh actually i've done it on instagram and i've done it on uh tiktok and by the way my tiktok did amazing for y'all got over a million views. I was like, damn, I was proud of that one. People loved it. But uh, so do you think that influencing has it helped contribute to the success of your business? Yeah, it does. Um, from a couple different things. So like, one of the biggest things for us when we work with and I don't even like using the term influencer, but like, when we work with a partner of ours, it's like, do they use the product? Do they actually like the product? And when they're because the biggest thing that you see is like, uh, I know a lot of brands that have tried to use influencer marketing and they're like, it didn't work. And they try to send this product to, you know, 50 different people. They'll have like different following bases and, you know, their, their following base is there for a different reason. And the people don't even use it. They don't even know how to talk about it. And I just found that like, that was inauthentic. And so for us, when we first came into it, um, it was really important that we made sure that we were working with people who were actually using the brand and like knew what the benefits of it were. And when they were talking about it, that you could tell that they're actually a roommate fan because if you, if they don't, then like people see right through that and then it doesn't feel authentic. They're like, Oh, you're just getting paid to say that. But if you can actually genuinely say like, I use this and I love it and you should too. And you know, I want to be able to like, share that with you right it's about that community like again like everything comes back to community and like making sure that like we're building an authentic community and we can't do that if we're using an authentic people to promote the brand and so you know bachelor nation actually is like one of our biggest groups that we work with and they all love the product like um you know on on the new season they're actually using the products on set like we sent them like 300 no way that's so cool to use on set so they'll be using them at the pool and at the bar and everywhere and like it just became something like you know we would see so a lot of the, the influencers we actually work with we would like see them post with the product first and then we would like dm them or like hit up paul and be like hey paul like we see that they use brewmate you know we would like to work with them because they already use the brand and like they can talk about it in like an authentic way um and it's been incredible because it's like you know you have two different types of customers. You have the customers that already use the product. So when they see that you use it, it's building the community and they have something in common with you now. Right. So, you know, they're like, Oh, Demi also uses Brewmate. That's awesome. But then on the flip side, then you have other customers or like uh, other followers who like maybe didn't know what Brewmate was or have been on the fence. And if they can feel the authenticity and feel that you really actually like use the product and it's beneficial, then like maybe that's all they needed to finally make the jump and invest in one. And, and so we see it work really well as long as it's done properly. Um, it's funny you mentioned TikTok because TikTok was like such a new thing for us. Um, we, I think in like January or February, um, someone sent me a TikTok and was like, Hey, this TikTok has like 
5 million views and it was some person with like 200 followers that had literally just posted a little unboxing video. And I was like, wow, like that's the coolest thing ever. And that's so random. And so we started exploring the platform and working with a lot of people that we had. So in your case, you, cause we were already working with you and we saw that you had like a, an engaged TikTok following and like, Hey, like let's try out some different videos and see what works. And then again, like your video got a couple million views and you know, we see TikTok as uh, a review platform. Like a lot of the people I know, like my fiance, she literally sits on TikTok all day, not all day, but like when she is on there for like an hour or two or whatever, and she's looking at like skincare and like makeup and whatever else and looking at these videos where people are talking, again, authentic, like they're giving a review video, whether it be bad or good. Um, and it's sort of like a source of truth for like products she's interested in. And so we saw that opportunity, like we can use TikTok to like introduce people and give them rather than doing a 15 second video, we can do 30 or 60 second videos where people can talk about the product a little bit more and like do it in a fun way rather than it feeling like a commercial. And we're not even trying to sell anything. Like in your video, there was no link to buy. There was no coupon code. Like it was just, Hey, let's make a fun video um, and, and make people feel connected to the brand. And that's worked really well. So, yeah. So you would say, because you know, um, so I, I, I don't like the term influencer either. And uh, I kind of find it ridiculous that I make my living off of doing advertisements on Instagram and now a little bit of TikTok. I I don't know. For some reason, I feel a little guilty for it, but it is what I do to make money. And the way that I see it is I remember one time I read online or maybe I saw a video or something and it referenced the fact that commercials would take hundreds and thousands of dollars to produce to be shown to a few million people. And now we have people on social media who have a few million people as their their audience, you know, their followers, and you can pay them just a few thousand dollars as opposed to hundreds of thousands for a commercial. So I kind of like made that like that's kind of how I like don't feel as bad about it because I'm like, well, you know, I could be doing a commercial and the company's losing a lot more money, whereas they're just paying me a little bit to reach out. But what I always wonder whenever I'm doing these advertisements and as I'm uh, trying to work with companies and stuff is what they're looking for, because I don't know like if they want me to like follow a script or if they want me to be myself or, you know, most of the time they say like, make it you, but I'm like, I don't know if you want me as like aligned with your company because I'm a, I'm crazy. Like I'm a vulgar and all this stuff. And so, uh, but I, I like what you said too. Authenticity is like the biggest thing that you're looking for whenever you guys are hiring influencers and stuff like that. Is that correct? Yeah. So we never tell people what to say or do. We give them a brief, which is basically like, um, this is what we're looking for. And generally it's just bullet points. So it'll be like, and a lot of times it's actually direction. Like a lot of people don't know with the hop slider slim that you're not supposed to unscrew the top that you're supposed to push the cannon. So like if we're doing the hop slider slim, like in the brief, it says like, make sure you push the can in and like not screw it on. Cause we don't want people to, like, we don't want people to be confused, like little things like that. But in terms of like presentation, again, like these are your followers, like they're following you for a reason. They look up to you. Like they think you're funny. They think you're crazy, like whatever it is, but there's a reason that they're there and they're not going to feel sold to if you're actually just talking to them in an authentic way. Like if it's a product that you're using and it's a product that you actually believe in and you're talking about it as yourself and not reading off a script, like people don't mind that. Right. But people don't like being sold to. So like if you're reading off a script, like, 
oh, you have to buy this because, um, hold on a second, it's going to do this for you, right? Like people are just going to swipe. Like they do not want to hear that. I don't want to hear that, you know, and with TV, it's the same thing. Like TV is very inauthentic. Like you're watching and it's an interruption actually. Like you're, you're watching YouTube and uh, an ad pops up, right? It's like so infuriating or you're watching a Hulu and like an ad pops up and you're like, let me just get back to my show. Like I'm not going to leave my TV show to go buy your product. But on Instagram, like your followers are there for a reason. Like they want to see what you're up to. They want to see what you are doing today, like what you're talking about. And so as long as you're incorporating it in a way where it's like a part of your everyday life and it seems normal, then that is what we look for. Um, it, and actually we've had people redo them because they've actually done it kind of like scripted, like it just sounds scripted or whatever. And we're like, Hey, like you use the product. Like you don't have to make it scripted. Just talk about why do you use the product? Like just talk about that. Like it, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to tell them like futures or really anything. Just why do you like the product? And, and that always does way better. So we always tell everyone like, you know, here's the brief, uh, here's like what to do and what not to do. And, you know, and they, there's nothing like no profanity or anything. Like, I don't care about that. Um, it's really just more about like how to use the product and stuff. But other than that, it's like literally be yourself. Um, I love that. I love that. You, a lot. you feel guilty either. Like, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I hear that a lot. And I always wonder why. And like, you know, I, I don't have a huge social following by any means. But I think that like if people are following you, they're doing it for a reason and like you should just keep doing whatever you're doing. And you know, there's, there's no reason to feel bad about that. Like, um, you know, it's this 2020, like there there's, you know, if you look back even 30 years ago or even, even 10 years ago, like social media didn't even really exist. So, you know, for people to say that like, this isn't, um, you know, I hear people say like, Oh, that's not a real job or whatever. It's like, it is actually. And it's like a very powerful form of marketing. And aside from that, like, your followers are there for a reason. And, you know, within the last 10 years, like marketing in general has changed so much from like TV and print ads and billboards to social media and Facebook and Instagram. And part of that is influencer marketing and, and podcasts and things like that that have all shown up within the last 10 years. Those are all brand new. Um, and if you're part of that, then like at the end of the day, you're, like you're part of a new marketing wave and that's perfectly fine. So just keep doing what you're doing. I really appreciate that because it does make me feel weird. But like, you know, I came from no money, no nothing. I came from a small town in Texas. And, uh, you know, I would always like look up to like being an influencer and like always look up to the influencers. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to do that one day. And then now I'm here in this position and I'm like, it is not all like cupcakes and rainbows. Like it's I, I don't know. I feel a little worthless at times. But then there's other times where I'm like, no, I mean, I do. I do put in a lot of hours to doing this. Like I am doing a job. I just feel like uh, I don't know. I, I, that's why I always try to like uh, justify it by being like you could be a commercial actress like you could be doing commercials for people like it's kind of the same thing. It's just for your own brand. But yeah. I find it very interesting that you say like the authenticity and I love that you say that uh, you just give like bullet points of like things to cover instead of like actual scripting because I work so much better, especially like something like Brewmate. It's easy for me to do Brewmate ads because I do love the product and I don't like to do I don't do ads for any products I don't like, but there are some that I like, but I don't maybe understand uh, necessarily like how they work. Like I'm like, oh, yeah, I use this hair conditioner and made my hair feel good. But I'm like, I can't just say that I need to know what's like in the conditioner. You know, I need to know 
know why I like it. Like I just, it just made my hair feel good. I was cool. But with Brewmate, it's like quick to the point. I know exactly why I like this. And I know that everyone else likes it around me because they constantly try to steal them from me. So um, I like it. Authenticity is definitely uh, all the influencers out there listening right now. Be more authentic. Um, so whenever you are using influencers to promote your product and stuff, are you looking more for brand awareness and building the community or are you looking for actual sales? Um, we do a little bit of both. So typically when we're working with someone, um, straight out of the gate, we're not just looking for, um, like a return on investment per se. Like our, our definition of return on investment is just not based on sales. Um, so again, like we are trying to build a community and if we know that someone has, like in your case that like your core following base is like our ideal customer or that there's a bunch of overlap. So like our customers are following you already, then like it continues to build that community because again, like they can see like, Oh, Demi uses this product and it makes me feel connected to it even more. So that's the most important part. Um, it does drive sales. Um, but that's not the most important thing for us. Like we, you know, we have other channels that we use to really drive sales. Influencer marketing is more, not, I, I don't like the term awareness. Um, for us, it's more about like relationship building, um, both with the influencer and and with um, or with our partner or with uh, their following base. But at the end of the day, it's like the more repetition you have, the more people are exposed to like the different products that you have and like who you really are as a brand and you know why people are using the products and stuff like that, the more they're attached to the brand and not so much to the product. And it makes the sell a little bit easier. Um, so again, like that's, it really comes back to like authenticity and, and, and building community. Um, and that's what we see influencer marketing as. It's a, it's a chance for us to, you know, work with partners to position our products to, you know, our customers already and new customers and like continue building that community and, um, you know, get people excited about the brand. And um, yeah. I love that. I, I really do. Uh, because, you know, I don't know, uh, as somebody who does a lot of influencing, like you feel like, oh, I, I need to be getting this company a bunch of sales or else I'm not doing my job right and stuff like that. But then uh, like, I mean, people they definitely know like, you know, I'll get questions about all the products and I'm like, they're answering my question or I'm answering their questions. They're asking me about the products, but is the company seeing sales from this or not? Like I, I just like a burden. I feel like I'm like, I have this responsibility to like get them the highest sales they've ever had, you know? And like this one day that I'm like doing this ad for, but I think it's even better because like, you know how many people like Brewmate is huge. I mean, obviously, you know, it's so successful, but like people talk about it all the time and like, like you said, it's kind of like a community thing. And like, if I have, if I'm using one of my brewmate, um, insulator or hopsulator things, I'm not sure on the name. I'm so sorry. But whenever I'm using that and somebody sees it and they've never seen it before, they're like, what is that? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's this brewmate brand. And then I'm like, do you want one? Because I've got a bunch at home. Like, you know, we're at the pool, but in my apartment, I'm like, I can go grab you one. Like it'll keep your drink cold. And then next thing you know, we're all sitting out there using brewmate. And I'm like, Maybe they'll buy it. Like, maybe they'll go and buy one. But either way, I made them aware of something that they weren't aware of before. And it's something that I actually like and I utilize all the time. So I feel like I'm doing something good with that. But then I'm like, is the company mad at me because I didn't get them as many sales as they wanted? No. I, you know, the biggest thing you always hear, um, like, organic sales or, like, word of mouth is the most 
you know, important form of marketing. And so we almost consider influencer marketing sort of as the same thing, right? Like the more we can get people talking about the brand and using it as a conversation piece, the more like that traction builds on its own. So, you know, our products are conversation pieces and they're unique. And so when people are using them, like they want to tell you about them. Um, and you know, like, let's say when you go on your story and you talk about it, like that actually gives people ideas of like how to talk about this product to other people too, which is like a unique way of looking at it. But, um, people will actually be like, Oh, like I want to tell people about this too. And we have people literally every day. We probably get tagged 200 times from people that are talking about it in their story or posting pictures with it or reviews or whatever it is. And it's just a way, again, it's building community and getting people engaged. And like, that's, what's more important to us. Like, we don't look at this and go, oh, we didn't make money. We're not going to work with Demi again. Like, you know, like TikTok, there was no, there was no link. There was no ad discount code, anything, because the goal there was not about driving sales. It was about, again, like building community and doing something fun that we hadn't done before. Um, and it was successful. It got like a million views. I have no idea if it dr drove any sales. I'm guessing it did. There's no way to track it. Um, but it was in our eyes, very successful. And like, it was really cool for us to be able to see that because we came into the platform pretty new and, you know, we were like, Hey, let's create some videos and, uh, and they ended up panning out. But again, like as a brand, we have other forms of marketing where like, you know, again, our team of 21 is mostly marketing and their goal is like driving revenue for influencer marketing. Christelle is, um, our director of influencer marketing. That's probably who you were chatting with. And then Ali also helps her. And then we have one other um, girl as part of that team. Um, but it's not really about driving revenue. It's really about driving community. So it's very, I would, I would in that. like if you have an actively engaged audience and you're being authentic about it and you know, you're, you're talking about the product in a way that you feel resonates with them and you're getting DMS where people are like, I love that product or I have it, or, you know, thanks for posting this. I've had questions on it. Like, that's literally all we're looking for. Like it, it, it creates a connection and that's all we want. I love that. It's a sigh of relief for me. And also, I mean, your product, it's like one of those products where it's like, why would you not want it? You know, like there's no downside to it. So it's very easy to talk about. Um, I'm a big fan. So we're obviously we're in a pandemic right now. Has that affected your business and how, like what, different things are you doing to stay successful during these really strange times? Yeah. So we are in a really unique position because we're a direct consumer brand. So we, you know, our operations, everything um, are all built around being able to ship to people to their homes. And so for us, you know, the only weird thing was in the beginning, a lot of our marketing is based around community, right? So people together in groups and doing things together and togetherness is actually one of our pillars. And um, obviously when you're quarantining at home and you're not supposed to be around other people and you need to be six feet away, that's not really possible. But people are drinking more than ever now. <laughs> yeah. So we had to switch a lot of our marketing, um, to sort of like stay at home drinking activities. Um, so, you know, drinking with a small group of friends, drinking while watching Netflix, like whatever it was. Um, but switching a little more away from the community side and, um, you know, just, and this is Jemani, this is just paid advertising. So just like Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat ads and things like that. Um, but we switched to more focusing on the product itself. Um, so like, what is the product? What does it do? Different color collections that we have. We did some limited releases. Like we launched our floral collection back in March. 
Um, we launched our Onyx Leopard collection. We have like a tie-dye collection coming up. Ooh, I love tie-dye. Yeah, we'll send you one. Uh, it's super cool. Yeah, for sure. But, um, you know, it was it was tough. Like, I mean, it was all hands on deck. I, I've never been through something like this. Obviously, most people haven't uh, that are alive today. The last pandemic was 100 years ago. So um, it was just, and then, you know, in the age of, digital marketing, you know, the question was, are people are going to be at home, but are they actually going to be buying stuff, right? Like you hypothetically, if everyone is at home and they can't shop in store, you would think sales would be through the roof. But then, you know, if everyone's worried about their job or how they're going to pay for bills or whatever, like then they may not be spending money. So it wasn't necessarily like all, you know, sunshine for us. In the, the first four weeks, we were really just strategizing of like, okay, what happens if people stop spending money? What happens if whatever. And so, um, you know, we strategize on like, how do we make sure that we can continue building community while being at home? So, um, again, like we started upping like the types of things we were doing with our community on Instagram and, uh, Facebook, our Facebook group and a lot more giveaways and like trying to make people feel like they're a part of something. Cause everyone was just distraught. Like it was a kind of scary, those two weeks or, you know, some places like still going on. Um, but like that few week period, a lot of people were at home and they were unsure and people were like stocking up on groceries. And so our goal was to like lighten the mood, um, you know, put out some funny content. That was where like TikTok came into play. And, um, you know, on our Instagram stories, we were doing like happy hour cocktails and like making cocktails and sending them out by an email. And I don't know, just trying to find different ways to like give people entertainment or like give them something to do while they're at home locked up. Um, and it really worked out for us. Like we actually grew way more than we thought we were going to. Um, we, yeah, like our sales in July were up 600% over last year. OMG. <laughs> yeah. And we're tracking for a hundred million dollars in sales this year, which we were like aiming for like 60. Um, we just closed a big investment deal, which we actually started during the pandemic, which is pretty crazy. Um, but I took on strategic investment um, to keep scaling the company and um, partner with some really cool guys for that. And, you know, I have, I can't complain. Like we've hired like eight people during the pandemic since March, completely remote, um, completely. And in customer service, actually it's more than that. Cause we have a lot of contractors too, that kind of work all over the U S um, so we probably hired like 15 people total, you know, doing zoom calls and like, We've moved a few people here to Denver. and Well, I love that you're helping provide jobs during this as well. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't have to lay anybody off. Um, you know, we had a lot, a lot a lot, of people's like one-year anniversaries came up. So we were actually able to give out raises during a pandemic, which is crazy. Um, and, you know, we were hiring and I have no complaints. Like I, you know, I live in Denver since day one. It's been pretty relaxed here. Like the case count isn't very high. People wear their masks where they're supposed to. Like, I live across from City Park here in Denver, and uh, I hike a lot and spend a lot of time outside, and you don't really have to worry about it out here. It's so spread out. You know, go camping for the weekend or take the dirt bikes out or whatever. So I don't really have any complaints. Um, I, you know, I, from a, a team perspective, like, the team's doing great. Uh, from a company perspective, we're also doing great, so... That's incredible. And I'm really proud of you. I know I just met you today, but I am really proud of you. And I think you're doing really amazing things out there. Do you still um, own 100% of the company? 
So I just sold a small percentage of the company. Um, so I owned 100% until last Friday. Oh, wow. Perfect timing. Uh, gosh, you are so impressive. Um, I definitely do have to wrap it up, but I could just listen to you talk all day. You're very, very informative. And I've loved chatting with you. So thank you so much, Dylan. You were very lovely. And to the listeners, make sure you check out Brewmate to find insulators for your favorite beverages, coolers, flasks, tumblers, and more at brewmate.com. That's B-R-U-M-A-T-E dot com. Dylan, is there anything else you would like to tell the listeners to check out? No, I would just say, like, if you're thinking about starting a company, you know, really just make sure that it's something you're passionate about. Don't follow the money. Um, you know, it, make sure you're actually adding value and just be persistent with it. Like, it's not going to be an overnight success. Um, there's going to be a lot of times where you are going to feel like you're failing. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you keep moving along and using those failures to, like, help you move in the right right direction, you'll eventually get to a place where you'll be able to look back and say like, that was all worth it. And that's the most rewarding time there is. Like I, I'm able to look back now and say like, it was all worth it. And I, I wouldn't have picked a different path. So just go for it. I love that. So be, pursue it, be uh, determined. What did you say? Um, Persistent persistent so be persistent and don't give up and also do your research so you know you're open-minded to whatever product you're trying to put out there in the world and yeah i am so fascinated by you you are doing way better than i am but (laughs) uh, i'm glad to have made a friend in you and thank you so much for coming on today and chatting with us i feel like this was very informative and not like my usual podcasts which are about like you know trash reality tv so i act i really enjoyed this it's funny because Paul literally, I was like, Paul, like, I need to know what the agenda is or whatever. And um, he was like, well, Demi really likes Big Brother. Like, you could talk about Big Brother. And I was like, Paul, like, I don't know anything about Big Brother. I know he called me like right before this, uh, like an hour before we were supposed to go on. He was like talking to me and he was like, so what are you going to talk to him about? Because like he doesn't watch Big Brother. And I was like, Paul, I have a whole outline like of questions for him and none of them consist of anything related to reality TV. Like I want to know about business. I want to like talk about what he's into because this is fascinating. It's something different than what I normally do. I don't want to talk about Big Brother with this successful business entrepreneur who has this multi-million dollar company. Like, are you kidding me? You did great. So I enjoyed the conversation. And I think that we touched on a lot of really important topics. So yeah, thank you. You did amazing. I I mean, there's so many people out there like, you know, I didn't know half the things that like you told me about today. And it's very intimidating thinking about, you know, pursuing a dream, like starting a business or creating a product and stuff like that. And it kind of is like, oh, I wouldn't know where to start. So I'm not even going to consider it because I don't even know what to do. I don't know where to start. Like, I'm just going to give up before I even try. So it's really interesting to hear how you went from, you know, selling phone parts to cell phone repair companies and just like, you know, doing your research, figuring out what hasn't been done before and sticking with it and like having those little failures here and there and still knowing, okay, well, that didn't work out, but I'm going to try something else. And uh, knowing that, especially whenever you talked about doing the app. And knowing I don't know much about technology. I don't know what I'm doing here. And I mean, maybe it was a good idea. I mean, it sounded like a good idea to me. But it's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I'm not liking it. So I'm going to go ahead and like pursue something else. So that was very good information. And I'm really excited to show my friend this who's like always trying to start a business. I can't wait for her to hear this because it's going to be very helpful to her. And I'm sure a lot of other people out there who are trying to as well. Yeah, tell her to reach out too if she has any questions. 
Oh, I definitely will. She would love to talk to you. She's obsessed with the 30 under 30 list. So she would she would probably crap her pants if she knew that she could talk to you. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And stay safe out there. And I hope to chat with you again soon. All right. Thanks, Demi. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. 